The Jet Set Breakfast on SAFM. This is is Bridget Masenga on SAFM. <laughs> it is word domination with uh, Makosa Zanetlava. Um, it is Women's Month after all, and we are celebrating women authors, uh, what they have written and uh, what they have written about and what they might be reading. And this morning we have acclaimed uh, anthologist as well as writer and poet, uh, Makosa Zanetlava, who's joining me on the line to talk about three books that she recommends for our reading list. Good morning to you, Makosa Zane. How are you doing? Good morning, Bridget. Thank you for having me. It's um, only but a I'm pleasure. Well, listen, <laughs> you sound better than me. <laughs> I've been up for a couple of hours now, but I'm still sounding half asleep. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's a Sunday. It's a Sunday, absolutely. It is Women's Month, um, and of course, uh, we thought it befitting uh, to uh, catch up with you as a female author um, and just find out, you know, I guess first and foremost, maybe let's just find out in 2022, um, you know, Women's Month, does it still have some kind of resonance uh, and some kind of significance for you as a female, as an activist, as a writer, as South African? Yes, it does. And the reason it does is because I come from a generation where we fought very hard for it. Mm. Now, I often hear a lot of criticism about what uh, what is being done about it in the, in the in the public sphere, whether it's government or media or whatever. Mm. And I've had a lot of people saying, oh, no, let's scrap this. And I say to them, rather than scrapping it, why don't you make it what, you, what would be valuable for you, mm. what is meaningful for you, rather than saying, oh, no, this is not working. Because I think what continues to be meaningful for all of us is that the women who came before us did what they did so we could be where we are. Mm-hmm. And that's just how I'm going to summarize it. So the idea that we needed to fight for the men to recognize the fact that the women did what they did was a big struggle in its time. Mm-hmm. You know, and we need to value that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have said it better myself. It is the voice of uh, Makosa Zanekaba who's uh, joining me on the line to uh, talk word domination. And you've suggested three books. I mean, you've got so many titles under your belt and so many accolades under your belt. Uh, and so amply so, actually, that you've written quite a bit on on not just writers uh, and contributors to our collective African story. Um, But you've also written quite a bit in terms of just reflecting on the journey of of, of African writers, African storytellers, and in particular, um, those who identify as female. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm I'm mainly looking at uh, your 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 series that you helped um, uh, edit, a fundamental African writers. Tell me a little bit about that that particular series. Okay, the foundational African writers. Found, yes, sorry, I'm told you I'm yeah. half asleep. <laughs> yeah. So this is a book that came out in July, in June this year, mm. and the idea of the book, as as you can see, we. I co-edited it with Begizisa Peterson and Kwezin Kizit. Yes. The idea of the book was to honor South African writers 
whom we call foundational because of how they were positioned mm. in this country around writing. Mm-hmm. Now, what is interesting about them, which we used, was the coincidence that they were all born in 1919. Oh. Peter Abrahams in March of 1919, Noni Chababu in August, and uh, Susu Sonyembezi and um, Ezekiel Mpashele were born in December, 11 mm. days apart. And so that is a coincidence of life. Mm. But what was interesting is because because they were born at that time, three of them, Peter, Noni, and Ezekiel, spent a lot of time outside of South Africa. Mm. And having spent a lot of time outside of South Africa, they contributed through their writing to the lives and writing trajectories in the countries where they lived. Mm. Okay. So we know Noni left South Africa. She was the one who left uh, in 1933, mm. the earliest of, of the three of them, because her parents were sending her to school, to high school. Mm. This is 1933. They are very aware of the fact that education for black people is not what it ought to be. Mm. So they send her to, to the UK. She goes to a Quaker school, a, a school that was started by the Quakers, okay. but for girls only in York, in the north. And so that is how her quote-unquote exile life begins. Mm. She hadn't meant to stay there forever. The idea was she'd get an education and come back to South Africa. Mm-hmm. She gets her education in high school. She starts at a university and World War II breaks out. Mm. Yeah. So Noni is the only woman in this in this particular anthology. And so what the essays in the anthology do is to talk about certain slices of her life and mm. her contribution while she was in exile. For instance, my essay in the book mm. talks about what she did as an when she became an editor of a magazine called The New Strand. Mm. Now, when that happened, her book had just come out in 1960, her first memoir called Drawn in Color, African Contrast. She's in the UK, and the book gets reprinted at least five times. That's the, those are the copies I have. There could be more. Mm. It gets reprinted five times in the same year. So she becomes a very visible uh, black woman, and then she gets uh, approached to be an editor of the New Strand magazine. Now, the New Strand magazine was a literary magazine. So what do you do as an editor? It means you're supporting all these writers, you're issuing out calls, and you write your own editorials. It's a very small slice of her life, considering yeah. the other things that she did. But it's a very important slice of her life. Yeah. And that's what they write about. Yeah. Your your other contribution to our must-read books, by the way, I love the visuals that you sent on the books just now uh, because uh, they're earmarked, they're bookmarked, they, they've got some wear and tear, which means that these are books you often reference back or books that you've shared with other people. Um, and, the, the, you know, they're, they're books that, that really hold importance uh, in your bookshelf. The other one that you, you've edited is uh, Our Words, Our Worlds, Writings on a Black South African African woman poets uh, between 2000 and 2018. And I think poets in general, whether South African or African, don't really get their time in the sh- in the sun, let alone 
female poets. Um, <laughs> you know, I often say mm-hmm. poets are often the the forgotten stepchild of of creatives. Um, so, so for for you to to even gather a collection in this book is really very much of importance um, to archive this particular time period and their contribution in this time period. You, I couldn't have said it better myself. You sound like you've read the book. <laughs> <laughs> I've hung out with a lot of poets. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was the, the very reason I decided to put this book together because uh, within the literary space, poetry is, cut, is kind of seen as a minority genre. Mm. And yes, poets are on stage. Poets are writing their own books. But to to to... What this book was aiming to do is to bring together within this time frame who these poets were, what they achieved, what they were thinking about the time, and what they think is important about what they're contributing in our lives. Mm. So the book is, is a mixture of genres. The first part of the book is academic literary scholars writing about us, mm. our work in different themes. So, for instance, in that section, you, we have a literary scholar, Vui Swamakaki, Barbara Boswell, and Tudu Zamantunga Mabaso. Mm. So they are analyzing our poetry and they're talking about its significance in our time. In the second section, it's poets themselves writing about their own journeys into poetry, mm. which is very, very important because... It's one thing to have a literary scholar analyze your poetry. It's another for you to tell us the story of your life. So in other words, these personal essays are, if you like, slices of memoirs, mm. poetry, poets reflecting on their own poetry journey. And then the third section is what I call conversation because it's um, interviews that I had with these poets on, various, on a range of themes. Mm. So I was, very, I was asking very direct questions because I know all of them and I know what they've contributed. I just wanted it to be in the book. Mm. For instance, Diana Ferris, the interview was about her poem, I've Come to Take You Home, that contributed to Sarah Batman's Remains Coming Back to South Africa. Mm. Now, I don't know of any poem that has done so much work at an international level. In the French law, that poem is now a part of that because what happened was a member of parliament found the poem somewhere on the line, approached Diana, used it in his parliament to argue for these remains. Now, we know that politicians had tried doing it before, Mm. but it was a poem that was like the final clincher, if you like, of that to happen. So there's Diana Ferris in this section. Mm. There's Maisha Jenkins in this section who talks about um, Phyllis' sister. There's Kaga Zantembu who talks about word and sound. And then there's other poets who are talking about their contribution to poetry in this country. Yeah. So the book, therefore, when you look at it holistically, does a... a it, 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 it shows us, it, it, it documents a slice of history mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. within South Africa between these years. My essay, for instance, was focused on books. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to do 
was to count the number of books that black women have contributed. Mm. Okay? So I have, for instance, before doing this work, I would never have been able to say 59 black women poets have contributed 84 books within the space mm. 2000 to 2018. I would never have been able to say of those 59, mm. three of them have published three books each. Mm. This seems like a very low number to me, Makosazane, that you are that you are feeding us. Well, that's an interesting point, actually, that you're making, because then the question is, what are you comparing it to? Aha. Uh-huh. It's low in comparison to what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who else has done more within the same time frame? Mm. Okay. I would never have been able to say there is one black woman poet whose three books have all been translated mm, mm. as whole books into other languages. Mm. Now, a lot of us as poets get our poems translated, not the whole book. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So what my chapter does is to go to the numbers to speak about the unfolding of history within the literary space. Mm, 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 mm. For instance, somebody said to me when after they read my essay, they said, hmm, somebody else must count how many, you know, do a similar essay comparing uh, how black men have done because mm. I'm willing to bet, she says, that it's not as much as this. Mm. Okay? But it takes a sitting down to count. Mm, mm and then doing the comparisons and then understanding where people are at. But as I was saying, it's just a slice. Mm. It's not the whole history, but it is focused on poetry because it became very important for me, being in the same space, to understand the space first and foremost for myself mm. so I can speak about it and then for others who are interested in it. Very interesting. And as you talk about the entire book being translated, I'm in, in my back of my mind, I'm wondering, uh, were you perhaps making reference to Kolega or is there someone else pre her whose entire bodies have been translated into different languages? No, Kolega came much later. Okay. The per- yeah. The person whose three collections were translated into German and Italian is a poet called Ronelda Ronelda Kempfer. She's in Cape Town. Aha. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. And, and her books were came before Colega came into the field. Very, very interesting indeed. And as we prepare to wrap it up, uh, I did say it is three books that you recommend for our reading list and to add onto our respective home bookshelves. So the third and final book, if you can give us a snippet of that. Yeah, the third and final book is called The Art of Waiting for Tales, Found Poetry from Grace, a Novel. Again, as a poet, my interest was in looking at the, 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 the connection between genres of writing. Mm. So Barbara Boswell published a, book, a novel called Grace in 2017. Mm. So what I do with The Art of Waiting for Tales is to use that book to write found poetry. So I tell the same story that Barbara tells, mm-hmm. but I do it through poetry. Ah, yes. 
in the same way that people will adapt a novel into a film. Mm. I adapted a novel into poetry. Oh, very interesting. Very interesting indeed, because a lot of us poets in South Africa, you know, people write found poetry. Mm. And it will be found poetry from a newspaper article, from an advert, from this, from that. Mm. But nobody has actually done a whole collection. There's 72 poems in mm. this collection okay. that are based on a book of 23 chapters. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Now, that definitely sounds like something that uh, one should read because also I'm just wondering, uh, you know, in terms of interpretation, um, how easy is it to, to, to read, uh, you know, a, a full body of, of a novel and then adapt that into short form, or I guess even long form uh, pieces of poetry? Uh, that requires you really just consolidating chapters into really concise thoughts and verses it requires deep deep reading the feedback that Barbara gave to me was wow this is a distillation Mm. (laughs) (laughs) wow I had to read the novel 101 times wow wow wow, because what becomes important then is where do you find the poem that manages to tell a turn in the story, in the novel. Mm. Who are the characters that you choose and what about them do you work on in order to come out with a poem? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, mm. Listen, better you than me, because I definitely would not have the ability to do that. Uh, <laughs> Am I glad I survived it? <laughs> yeah, survived it, and here you are to tell the tale. Uh, thank you so much for sharing with us, uh, Makosa Zane. Definitely appreciated. Uh, that was Makosa Zane Kaba sharing with us three books of uh, seminal importance that she thinks we should not just read, but have in ownership and put in our bookshelves as well. Our words, our words. Worlds written on black South African women, uh, women poets, that is, between the time period of 2000 and 2018. And of course, the art of waiting for tales and adaptation from a novel, this one, um, by um, Found Poetry from Grace, which is a novel that Marco Sazana also uh, penned down. And of course, uh, we had our first book that she hoped she helped co-edit, uh, and this one featured, of course, the lives of Peter Noni and Smusi. So, as well as uh, Eskay Mpacheli, it is the uh, foundational African writers. Nine o'clock. It's time for the news.